The scripture reading this morning is from Acts, chapter 16, verse 6, all the way to 40. And that's found on page 1720 in your few Bibles. Paul's vision of the man of, Ma- of the man of Macedonia. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at one, he got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Lydia's conversion in Philippi. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samothrace, and the next day we went on to Neapolis. From there we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony and the leading city of that district of Macedonia, and we stayed there several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river, where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the woman who had gathered there, the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira, named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Paul and Silas in prison. Once when we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. She earned a great deal of money for her owners by fortune-telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept us up for many days. Finally, Paul became so annoyed that he turned around and said to the spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the spirit left her. When her owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, They seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and said, These men are Jews and are throwing our city into an uproar by advocating customs unlawful for us Romans to accept or practice. The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open, and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, Don't harm yourself, we are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. When it was daylight, the magistrates sent their officers to the jailer with the order, 
Release those men, the jailer told Paul. The magistrates have ordered that you and Silas be released. Now you can leave. Go in peace. But Paul said to the officers, They beat us publicly without a trial, even though we are Roman citizens, and threw us into prison. And now, do they want to get rid of us quietly? No. Let them come before. Let them come themselves and escort us out. The officers reported this to the magistrates, and when they heard that Paul and Silas were Roman citizens, they were alarmed. They came to appease them and escorted them from the prison, requesting them to leave the city. After Paul and Silas came out of the prison, they went to Lydia's house, where they met with the brothers and sisters and encouraged them. Then they left. This message was prepared by Stanley J. Grutoff. Today's story from the early church reminds us of the reality that when God closes a door, he opens a window, despite our best efforts to seek God's leading and desire of his will. There are moments and even seasons where we wonder what to do next. Opportunities we feel called to pursue dry up, and we worry where God's taking us or not taking us. We thought our path to the future looked pretty straightforward, but suddenly we're encountering unexpected twists and turns, and what we're supposed to do now isn't clear like we thought it would be. The door we thought we'd walked right through has closed in our face. If the Apostle Paul were here today, I suspect he'd be joining many of you nodding your heads. Yep, I've experienced that. Our scripture reading opens with Paul and his companions traveling through the region, throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia. But you get the impression they don't want to be there. They're trying to head southwest into what is called Asia back then but they are kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word. So they figure they'll go northeast into Bithynia and Pontius, but again, the Spirit of Jesus will not allow them to. Eventually, they arrive at the seaport of Troas. It's an important transportation hub, connecting people with lots of other places in the ancient world. Unfortunately, Paul and his companions have nowhere to go. If we could overhear their prayers, I wonder if they'd go something like this. Why, Lord, are you saying no to us, ministering in the south? Why, Lord, are you choosing a door, closing a door to us going north? There are lots of missionary opportunities in both these directions, as far as we can figure. They are traveling, doing their best to discern God's will and the Spirit's guidance. And all they're sensing is what they cannot do. Bear in mind that God's repeated no's are, ho- are heard over a period of time. The region of Phrygia and Galatia out to Troas stretches out for some 150 to 200 miles. And there's no planes, trains, or automobiles available to make the trip quicker. So Paul and his companions are walking for no less than a week on the road for probably longer than that 
taking into account pit stops, detours, conversations along the way, and Sabbath rest. That's a lot of walking and a lot of miles, especially if you're not sure you're even remotely close to going in the right direction. One thing that Paul and his companions, as well as 21st century followers of Jesus, can be thankful for is the fact that hearing no at least keeps us from going where we're not supposed to be going. A closed door is frustrating, but going through the wrong door would likely be even more frustrating. Not that that makes things easy. Who likes to hear anyone say no to something we've planned and hoped for? Kids don't like hearing the word no because God is giving up on us. That's not right. But most of the time, adults are not any happier to hear it. But the Holy Spirit does not say no because God is giving up on us or has stopped loving us or wants to make, take our fun away. It's because he's keeping us from something we're better off avoiding, waiting to pull a certain curtain back on something even better than what we currently have in mind. The days and probably weeks through which Paul and his companions walk, repeatedly hearing God say no, eventually ends up with a vision of God finally pointing them to the direction he indeed had in mind for them. One night, Paul sees a man of Macedonia standing before him and begging him, Come to Macedonia and help us. That's where God wants them. That's the window God opens for them. The reality is indeed that when God closes a door, he opens a window. But I'd like for you to think of that window not as a large pane of glass in your living room. Isn't it more like the smaller frosted window in your bathroom? It's not that it's necessarily hard to get through. But when God shows us the next step, it's often only that, the next step. To our knowledge, the rest of the itinerary and what to expect were not downloaded into Paul's iPad. Paul and company do not get a grand vista overview of what's coming up in their missionary journey. They only receive the next step, go to Macedonia. This is the first time Paul's missionary travels take him to that part of the world. It's quite possible the place is completely unfamiliar to Paul. God only knows what's in store there. The guidance we receive from God's word and spirit will not necessarily depict all the things we can expect to see unfold in the future. God's guidance often helps us move forward just from day to day, and sometimes even just hour to hour or minute to minute. A lot of times the Spirit helps us simply take the next obvious step as we carry out our standing orders. And those standing orders can most simply be summarized as loving God above all and loving our neighbors as ourselves. God invites and empowers us to take, make little decisions within that broad command to love him and to love others. Do this from day to day and minute to minute. 
His Holy Spirit equips us with past experiences, common sense, and conversations with our saints. He nudges our hearts and consciences in the right direction. He helps us hear and understand what we read in the Bible. In short, the Holy Spirit helps us mature into people who can indeed make good decisions that are rooted in God's love and reflect God's love. And we can make those good decisions even if we don't know exactly what the future holds because we can trust the one who is already there. Uncertain of what's going to meet them there, Paul and his companions take the next step and head further north and further west for Macedonia. But at least Paul is, has a good idea of what's expected of him. He's called to preach the gospel. The man in his vision asks for help. And the best ultimate help he needs is to hear the gospel and come to know and love the same Jesus who Paul knows and loves. Loving God and loving our neighbors means helping others do the same. Paul and his companions head off for Macedonia. And we read how God used them effectively and mightily there. They powerfully bear witness to God throughout the region. A businesswoman in Philippi named Lydia finds her heart open by God to Paul's message. And she responds to the gospel. It is believed that Lydia is wealthy as she has her own business and owns her own home. And she shares what she has. She has the gift of hospitality through which Paul and his companions are blessed. Next, Paul frees a slave girl from some kind of spirit that has reduced her to a circus act. But it turns out that that girl's freedom is going to strip Paul and Silas of theirs. They are tossed in jail. Even there, other prisoners hear the gospel through the apostles praying and singing. What's more, at the moment the jailer, who thinks the prisoners have all escaped after an earthquake rocks the jailhouse, at the moment the jailer is on the verge of ending his life, he and his family hear the gospel for themselves and they're all baptized on the spot. At the climax of this chapter in Acts, the jailer's family experiences a sort of freedom they never knew before, even though they had always been on this side of the prison door. All these things happened because the Holy Spirit said no to God's plans to go into Asia and to Bithynia. The Holy Spirit knew where the gospel must be needed to be heard at that particular time. When God opens a window for you, it will be one that enables to you to proclaim the gospel too. That doesn't mean you'll be off on a mission trip to Macedonia in southeast Europe, though it might. But the Holy Spirit, who has been unleashed since the first Pentecost, will indeed send you places where you can share the good news of Jesus through your actions, attitudes, habits, ethics, and words. The Holy Spirit helps us imitate Jesus' selfless life of love. The Holy Spirit helps us appreciate God's Jesus' sacrifice for our sins on the cross. The Holy Spirit leads us to celebrate Jesus' 
resurrection victory over sin and death and his, and his ascension as almighty king. And through this all, it gets harder and harder to keep the gospel to ourselves. God sends us each day with a mission to cooperate in his kingdom-growing endeavors as we love him and others, whether it's far away place like Macedonia or across the street at a neighbor's place or at a growing church in Ensenada, Mexico or teaching neighborhood kids right here in Bethel with Vacation Bible School. If you're in a season of wondering what window God is, op- is, growing, is going to open for you, God never stops sending. Not sure what you're supposed to do after you graduate? God still sends you. Worried about what this week might hold for your family or at work? God still sends you. Looking forward to some quiet rest and relaxation in the growing weeks? God still sends you. Even in moments of waiting, we are a sent people, sent to share and live the good news of Jesus however we can, wherever we are. The Holy Spirit will open a window for us to get to our own Macedonias, near and far, as we patiently, humbly wait for him. But how many of these Windows does God wait to open until we stop trying to get through for our own purposes and begin thinking about how he leads us to live the gospel message in everything we do. God sends us for purposes greater than we often take into account. Author Timothy Keller writes about this. The biblical God is by nature a sending God, a missionary God. The Father sends the Son, the Son sends the Spirit and his disciples into the world. Therefore, the whole church is in mission. Every Christian is in mission. God never calls you in to bless you without also sending you out to be a blessing. So a Christian is not a spiritual consumer coming to get his or her emotional needs met and then going home, a church then is one that trains and equips its people to be in mission as individuals and as a body. We recognize how the Holy Spirit equips and sends us as we consistently spend quality and quantity time in the Word. As we pray daily for His help, as we sense His still small, sanctifying voice within us as we seek the wise counsel of brothers and sisters in Christ, as we regularly worship with others who are sent like we are. In time, he will open the window and send us through in ways that glorify God, build others up, and bring more into his loving embrace. As people who are sent, we must be cautious against our church having a come-and-get-it attitude. Instead of waiting for people to come to us, the Spirit of Jesus prompts us to have a go-and-give-it attitude as we fish for people. We, are, we do this trusting that the Spirit will keep showing us the next steps to take 
as we follow the standing orders to love God and one another. Not only is this what we see Paul doing as he patiently submits to the Holy Spirit's guiding, this is what we see Jesus doing during his ministry on earth. To quote one author, He moved in the neighborhood. He went to the people where they were and as they were. This appalled the religious leaders of Jesus' day who were known as the Pharisees. Their approach to God was, come and get it. In addition, they had tweaked God's message to moralism. You people out there need to straighten up. The Pharisees have developed a very insular culture. They did business as much as possible only with other Pharisees. When they traveled, they stayed with other Pharisees. They lived in a Pharisee bubble. They had little Pharisee insignias on their burrow bumper, and they listened only to Pharisee radio stations. The message that they sent to those outside the bubble was, become like us, dress like us, act like us, think like us, like what we like, and don't like what we don't like. Resistance is futile. If you become like us, we will consider you for club membership. But that's not what mission looks like according to Jesus. Jesus was not scared away from people because they were unclean. Jesus did not avoid the outcasts. Whether he'd become contaminated was not an issue for him. On the contrary, the Gospels, in the Gospels, Jesus eats and associates with the despised sinners and tax collectors of his day. Instead of telling people to clean up their act first and waiting for them to do so, Jesus takes the initiative and makes people clean as he heals and forgives. Did you catch that? Instead of telling people to clean up their act, Jesus makes people clean as he heals and forgives. We see the Apostle Paul following this model in Acts 16. Going to Macedonia, not knowing exactly who or what to expect there. Today, we're reminded and equipped and sent afresh to do the same. Going out and inviting people through our words and actions to experience forgiveness and healing in Jesus' name. Maybe we already know those who maybe we already know who these people are people god has already put in our lives who need to experience god's love they may be living under the same roof as us or work with us or go to school with us or hang out in the same places as us it's it's also possible that we'll be totally surprised at who god will invite and equip us to love in this coming week Kids, elderly members, adults, teens. Maybe you feel like the door is wide open in front of you. Maybe you're waiting long and hard for God to crack open a window, as Paul and his companions experienced throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia. Continue to trust him, our generous giving God, and ask him not only to show you the way forward in general, but how he can send you with the good news of Jesus to the blessing of 
to be a blessing to others, including the person beside you and everyone else whose path intersects with yours this week. Let's bow our head in prayer. God of love, you poured out your spirit upon gathered disciples, creating bold tongues, open ears, and a new community of faith. We confess that we hold back the force of your spirit among us. We do not listen for your word of grace. Speak the good news of your love, or live as people made one in Christ. Have mercy on us, O God. Transform our timid lives by the power of your spirit and fill us with the flaming desire to be your faithful people. Doing your will for the sake of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.